What's going on, everyone? It is another episode of Left Side Heavy, the podcast presented by Blue Wire Hustle. It's your boy, Jevin Lefave. I am back after my hiatus. It has been about a week and a half, but we're back. We're recording another episode. I hope you guys had a fantastic Christmas, New Year's, and holidays in general. The speaker pool, the speak your peace boys are back. And we talk a little bit of Basically, main headlines, the World Juniors being canceled, Antonio Brown piecing out halfway through the game. We got John Madden, RIP. It was a good episode. Very fun episode with the guys. I hope you guys enjoy. Be sure to follow the social media platforms, subscribe to the YouTube, all that sorts of fun stuff. Here's Ian and Scott. I really hope you guys enjoy the vi- enjoy the episode. Here they are. It's episode 76 of Left Side Heavy, the podcast presented by Blue Wire Hustle. I'm your host, Jevin LaFave, and we're back, baby. Long uh, bit of a holidays hiatus, Christmas and New Year's hiatus. I'm back with my boys, Speak Your Peace, Ian McNaughton, Scotty Conkin. How's it going, boys? How are we doing tonight? We're great. We're great, man. It's great to be back on the show. Yeah, excited to be here. It's been a while. It's been a long time to be with you or at me at least. But um, yeah, we'll got a good episode here. Hopefully, we'll uh, it'll be a good one for sure. For sure. How was your guys' Christmas and New Year's? Uh, Christmas was good. I spent it with my family from Poco. They came up to Squamish, so got got to hang out with all them. So that was cool. Uh, my New Year's, I was in the states for New Year's Eve, so that was cool. Hanging out with some buddies um just kind of normal you know pre-covid stuff that we used to do you know hanging out in groups you know family stuff that that's kind of what i did that was my holiday season yeah well, for me too sounds like just hanging with family which was really good we played a lot of pond hockey i think the lakes and squamish froze which never yeah happened. yeah same down here in poker they finally froze over first time in like five years it's happened right. so that's sick yeah so uh, i showed ian how to play hockey for a bit but um <laughs> he's you know he's not mentioning that i scored eight goals last tuesday in pond hockey um which was more than scott scored so i'm not saying that i'm the best pond hockey player in squamish but you can make the argument were you the only one on the ice no uh but i was cherry picking uh because (laughs) because i was told i literally it's literally Brady Kachuk style goals where I'm like two feet in front of the net and just tapping it in. Cause I was told not to play defense. Cause I suck at D although I did, <laughs> I did, I did sell out a couple of times on defense. I did make some uh, LB dives <laughs> on back checks, which rocked, but that was the pond hockey experience. What, uh, what other pond hockey experience did you have? What you were telling before we started recording? Oh, well, I, I mean, I, what? So I, I scored eight goals. Yeah. Um, I, I did, I did uh, uh, put Scott in like a triple H pedigree. Like if you know the wrestling, like I actually like put him in a pedigree, um, posted that on SYP as a joke with like Hedman and Scott was not impressed, which I don't <laughs> know why he wouldn't be. That was like an actual, like real event that happened. Um. <laughs> that really i i don't know what else did i mean i mean 
I got called I'm, away. I got yeah. called away. Yeah. So I got called away on before we were about to play pond hockey to go pick up some some WHL players from an airport. I can't go into too many details, but uh, I had to cross the border New Year's Eve into America, pick up some players. That was cool. Did, so did they have like was there a game scheduled and like fights got canceled? So it's like we need. So what happened was that these players were in Kamloops uh, for the week and then they had a game on the Saturday uh, needed me to be needed to be picked up and then taken to the game for Saturday. Contrary to popular belief, these players were not Ronan Seeley and Olin Zellweger. Like the rumor was spreading <laughs> at Pond Hockey that day. It was not the Canadian World Juniors players. That's amazing. Scotty, how about you, man? Was Santa good to you this year? Santa was pretty good. Yeah. Got some, uh, some good stuff and, um, you know, always helps getting some money from parents and, um, no, honestly, man, like it, the, the best part was just spending time with family. It, it might be a while until I'm back in my hometown. So, um, it's, uh, yeah, just really nice to be there. And I got to work at a hockey camp for a couple of days, which was fun. And That's sweet. Uh, yeah, it was, it was solid, really solid all around. And, um, yeah, just living, you know? Yeah, you trekked back, made you trek back up to Kelowna, UBCO yep. kid, lifestyle yes, living. Yeah, of course. How was that drive? How was the how are the highways heading back up to Kelowna with all this so, weather? Uh, actually, we flew back. The highways are gonna be really bad, not tonight, but the night after. Uh heavy snow expected in a couple of days. But I flew back uh pretty effortless, nothing too crazy. Um, yeah, it was just it was good. It was a good little uh trip back, and I'm just kind of hanging at home watching some hockey and um, my ducks play tonight. So I'm excited for that. So I'm going to see Zegers do another Michigan flip. Unfortunately he is out with. He's, yeah. He's in protocol, right? Yeah. Cause I yeah. saw him when, um, when like we beat you guys, when the Canucks beat you guys, I saw that Zegers wasn't playing. So he wasn't playing. Yeah. And that's why the Canucks beat the ducks. Cause there was no Zegers. So I well, I was, I was going to say we're also <laughs> disappointed because we had tickets to the Canucks. Ducks game that was supposed to be in Vancouver all the, on the holidays. Like Scott and I were supposed to go, and that got postponed. So it's like, well, yeah, yes, that wasn't meant to happen. Yeah, Destiny. They saw like, oh, Ian and Scott are going to this game. Yeah, no, not <laughs> happening. <laughs> and that, but that that also looks like because I had tickets to the Canucks cracking game too over the holidays. It's like, ah, oh, that makes sense. We're just going to postpone every Canucks game that Ian has. Uh, Ian and Scott has tickets yeah. to. Yeah. And so long as they don't postpone when the Red Wings come to town in March, then we'll call it a success. Oh, no, they'll postpone it. They'll find a reason to. No, no they cannot. With Cider <laughs> and Raymond, they, they actually cannot. Like, that is illegal. For no, them. it's the game's going to be on, but Cider and Raymond are going to go into COVID protocol. Yeah, I was say, no, yeah, no. No. <laughs> no. Please, no. It's destiny, Ian. It has to happen. No. It's the only no. way. No. Come on, man. No. <laughs> Don't piss off Ian like that. Oh, that's amazing. He's just going to be sad this whole entire episode. That's just a fact. <laughs> but uh, obviously... Sorry. Uh, if you want to make Ian sad, just bring up Alexis Lafreniere in the 2020 draft. Oh, that was a bad night. That was a bad night. The draft yeah, lottery? That was, yeah. That was yeah, your, your Red Wings won like 11 games that year and got the fourth overall pick. Right. You know what was funny? You know what was funny about that whole season was I went to the last Red Wings Canucks game in Vancouver, and Canucks fans were apologizing to me for being a Red Wings fan. And it was just like, you understand the Red Wings have at least won a cup, just a cup, not even recently, just won <laughs> a cup, a singular and one. 
a, a one, a one cup. And Canucks fans were apologizing to me. And then we didn't get laughed that season. I mean, this Lucas Raymond kid, I guess he's good. I, I guess he's fine. He's but, not bad. Like, yeah, he's all right. I mean, so, people are already kind of putting him above Lafreniere. So, like, technically it was a W. Laugh and Kako, like, just above all those guys. Probably, probably you know, better than, you know, Jimmy Stutzla. You know, probably the best player in that draft class, really. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, like, he's trending that direction. He's, no, I, he's I, think, a, I, think it's object- I think it's objectively clear that Lucas Raymond is the best player in that draft class. Who, who else was in that draft? Uh, Lafreniere. Drysdale was Drysdale. Was that uh, Sanderson, too? Sanderson draft, yeah. yeah. Who was after Laugh? I think that was Sanderson. Because Ottawa had uh, the third and the fifth, wasn't it? Yeah, no, but who was second overall? That was... Um, Laughing in Byfield. Byfield. Yeah. I feel that's who it was. Yeah. That's right. That's right. I was like, because you said Kako, and I was like, I think that was. No, that was the wrong. I got, yeah. I got that mixed up. I got the wrong. Yeah. Team. No, it was a laugh Byfield. Because I know then, Sanderson went before Drysdale. Stu, it was, it was, I'm going to name this off to sound really smart. It was uh, Laugh, uh, Byfield, Stutzla, Raymond, Sanderson, Drysdale. I don't know who number seven was, but yeah, that, 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 that makes sense. Yeah. yeah. That sounds Nailed really it. right. But uh, speaking of prospects and, you know, scouts, drafts, all that, the world juniors, unfortunately were canceled after this is a good, a good segue for sure. I totally meant to do that. Totally. hundred yeah. uh, percent. But U S team had two positive tests. So their game, they had to forfeit against, I believe, Slovakia. Switzerland was the game. they got. Switzerland, Switzerland. Yeah. So they lost one, nothing. And then the next day, Russia gets a couple positive tests as well. And Czechia, they had some positive tests. So world juniors just decided to cancel the entire tournament. Uh, I want to hear you guys' thoughts on that decision and maybe what they could have done different. But what's your uh, thoughts on the decision of canceling the tournament? It's it's unfortunate. It really is. Again, these these kids, all the volunteers, all the fans that were waiting a year, because, again, these fans have waited two years now because they're the original fans for the Red Deer, the Edmonton tournament last year. And then to have, have this happen again this year, it's unfortunate for them. And for the players, it's, yeah, unfortunate. I think Ian and I talked about this briefly on one of the uh, Speak Your Peace podcasts. But, again, the biggest if they put it in a bubble they would have made it happen and it would have been fine but it just it was difficult to do that this year so um just yeah unfortunate is my my takeaway from it for sure yeah we talked about this i believe on our last syp episode there's just no right way of doing this like there's no right like you can make the argument to cancel it you can make the argument to keep going and persevere there's no right way of doing any of this right now and i i'm extremely disappointed that we couldn't make this happen because like Scott said, there's a lot of effort that went into it from volunteers, from players, from different associations to make this happen. I know the fans wanted it to happen. It, 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 and, and even, you know, not that they are maybe the, you know, most impacted by it, but still people like TSN and the sponsors too. Like there's a lot of money being lost due to the world juniors being canceled by them. Again, there's no right way of doing this. I get the side of canceling it. I get the side of going through with it. Um, you know, they talk about maybe doing this again in the summertime, trying to bring it back up. Sure, you could. 
okay. I, I like. I, I'm totally content that they just decide to go with the next one in Russia next year. Yeah, I, I, it is what it is. There's not a lot we can do about it. Um, it. It's just unfortunate for everyone involved. I've just heard how bad they handled the tournament as a as a whole in terms of putting the players in a bubble, isolating them away from any sort of outside crowd. Like the team Czechia and I believe Russia, they were in the same hotel with like wedding receptions. There was a bar there. There was a restaurant. So there's just outsiders coming in and out and in and out and interacting with the players and everything. So it's like stuff that's going to happen if that's the case. And I just don't think the double IHF handled it right. If they, isolated the players with their own hotel room and kind of made this like bubble for the players, then this tournament would have succeeded because you need to do that with some international events in terms of this day and age. Like, I'm sorry, that's just the way it is. And world juniors is one of the best events of the year for any sports is the world juniors just to see the international play and the young prospects coming in, especially when you have players like Shane Wright, Connor Bedard, Mace McTavish, all that. So I think the double IHF just fumbled the bag on this one because just with the protocols and everything, like why are you putting allowing wedding receptions and outsiders to come in and out in the same hotel with team multiple teams in it? Like well, something's gonna happen. I think the contrary can be true of who the hell is having a wedding in Red Deer at the end of December. <laughs> like what what psychos are doing that? Like no no offense to you know Red Deer, I'm sure it's a nice place, but like you seriously could not do this like at another time. There really wasn't a more convenient time and place to do this. Okay. Yeah, no right. kidding. That's too funny. Oh man. Oh. So, but yeah, no, I, I, I mean, yeah, I think they definitely could have made this better. I think there's something to be said for putting every foot forward to, you know, make it safe for players, staff members, uh, people involved in associations to go through with this tournament. And it sure didn't seem like all those efforts were taking part. Yeah. Were happening. Yeah. 100%. I totally agree with you guys there. Sticking with the, Theme of the world juniors time of year. It is the winter classic happened. And I think it was basically like a dream scenario for hockey fans. In my opinion, it wasn't like a Lake Tahoe situation where, or like the, the conditions didn't meet the premise of an outdoor game. Kind of like those California games where it's like 17 degrees and you're having an outdoor game where it just doesn't work, but it was actually the coldest outdoor game in NHL history. Uh, I think it was at puck drop, the temperature. And I believe it was like minus 21 Celsius. Celsius, yeah. Absolutely yeah. absurd. Oh, that's nuts. That's, I don't think that should be legal. <laughs> <laughs> like, I, I would probably just go back inside. If it was yeah, 20. Just, I, I would like, probably just... It, it's literally just like, screw this. It's too cold. I'm going to go back in. I'll see you guys later. Yeah, hey coach, sorry this just isn't working out. I'll I'll see you in the clubhouse, I'll see you in the locker room. I'm just gonna stick in the hot tub in here and watch yeah. the game. <laughs> like you know the feeling though of like, oh, I can't feel my like when I when you play pawn hockey, it's like, oh, I can't feel my 
feet. I can't feel my skates. That's probably what it was like for all those guys. And I would just be like, no, it's a little too cold. Sorry, coach. I'll see you. I'll see you at the intermissions. I'm going to yeah. argue. I'm going to argue the opposite. Minus 20 is fine. If it's more than minus 25, it's too cold for the players. I agree. But, but I do, but, but, but Scott and I both do agree that I am a wimp when it comes to like cold weather and, you and hate the cold. I don't like the cold. Um, so I'm a wimp when it comes to this sort of thing, but yeah, that, that, I mean, the whole atmosphere would have been just tremendous, like a full stadium oh, at night. I, yeah, I, beautiful uniforms. I think every bullet point was hit for this winter classic. I think it was a huge success. It was a high scoring game. Lots of goals were scored. What was the final score? Like six, six, four. two, six, four or something like that. Yeah. It was like. The the one the one complaint I did have from the Winter Classic was having other NHL games on while the Winter Classic was going on. That was the one thing I didn't like. My thing is why are you having it so late? Well, okay, so we, we a, in my opinion, I think it should be the first game played on New Year's Day. So that's, that's what that's what that's what I think I, it should be. That's what Scott and I were debating on our last podcast because, like, don't you want to play during the day when you're not competing against like? the Rose bowl or like other NHL games. And, and Scott actually made a really good point of like, no, you kind of want to play under the lights. It's prime time. Like you build up this whole, you know, feeling and atmosphere for the game by playing it at night. And I think that's kind of what the NHL hit there. They just made the mistake of like scheduling the Leafs and the senators because it's hockey night in Canada at the same time as the winter classic. I don't know. I like the morning. I think it's way better played as the first game of the day. Starts your day off right. You can watch it while you're having a morning coffee after New Year's Eve. Like I think it being the first, it starts the year off with the Winter Classic. It's I not. I it's like not. That. It's not the fifth game of the evening. Like I think that's whack. I I don't like that at all. What I if think, it's the only game that day? Like that would be my. That would be, I, I, that, that, yeah, that I would still, be the best thing to do. It's not like I, any other game for New Year's Day. I still think I don't think I don't like it at like 4:30 p.m. I don't I don't like waiting the entire day for it. I like it being it anytime in the afternoon. Anytime in the afternoon, I think is dumb in my opinion. I like it, it like around lunchtime. It, anything after 2 p.m. is no, 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 no. Again, no, no. you know what? Here's here's an argument from a player's perspective. I hate like I shouldn't say I hated playing in the mornings, but your routines thrown out of whack when you play in the mornings, like again, guys, you know, it's a whole, again, the mental preparation, it's a whole 24 hour thing. It's not like, Oh, it's, you know, just like six hours before the game. No, it's a whole day. So doing it later in the evening, like let's say 4 PM local time start, that would be fine. Cause you're, again, you're still under the lights and it's early enough for, let's say it's a West coast game. East coast viewers can still see it in prime time. Um, if you do it in the morning, Again, yeah, I sure I agree with you as like a as a casual as a fan watching the game. It'd be great to have it in at noon Pacific, three Eastern, for example. Um, but again, as a player, I would hate that because again, you're you know the game's starting at noon. You have to get up at six six a.m. to do your proper routine and get your into the headspace. It's it's just a logistical mess as a player on a game day. Again, players can adjust and they're good at that, but it's also negative 21. I think any routine you have is going to be thrown off. That's fair enough. Yeah. <laughs> fair enough. In the slightest bit, but personally, selfishly, I'd rather have it in the morning, not a 7 a.m. puck drop, but have like an 11 a.m. puck drop is, as, I think. I was going to say, as the college football fan that I am, as long as it's not going against the Rose Bowl, 
that's all I care about. Um, I, I like watching the Rose Bowl on New Year's Day. That's kind of one of my traditions. And I like watching the Winter Classic whenever it is. Doesn't yeah, matter. but I do think it should be the first game of the day. In my opinion, I think That's you start fair. start 2022 off with the Winter Classic. That's fair. I, Not, I don't have any arguments there. Don't have Rangers Devils at 10 a.m. and then have the Winter Classic at 430. It's just like, what are we doing here? Why are we having Jersey and Rangers playing before the Winter what? Classic? I why understand. We, what, I was going to say, why are we having the Devils on TV anyways? That's the bigger <laughs> <question>. <laughs> Yeah. So just a uh, personal personal thing but i still think that everything went right for the winter classic i'll just adjust when they air it in my opinion yeah that's about it i like it yeah i don't have any complaints i mean target field i love that stadium uh i've never been but i would love to go see a game there i think they we talked about this scott and i they nailed the jerseys the jerseys both rock yeah um is there a curse by the way of like wearing the goalies wearing tubes while they play because i feel like that's a curse because Cam Talbot did that and he lost. I don't know. I don't know if there's any analytical data to back me up on that, but I feel like it's a bit of a curse. I mean, Ryan Miller did that, and he's part of the most iconic Winter Classic photos in the wrong way. But he, yeah, I could say yeah. he lost that game. <laughs> yeah. Lost the game, yeah. We maybe if there's a third goalie that wears a toque and they lose, then the, and there's a pattern. So I still love the look, though. I think, oh, yeah, yeah. I think he, the goalies. It could be a two degree game where it's not even that cold. Goalies have to wear the two. Oh, 100%. have to. I think it'd be funny again back back when they used to not wear helmets. Guys should well, again if you're playing winter classic. Guys should wear toques. I think that would look sick. Yeah, that'd be cool. That'd be sick. And or you always you always got the ski mask on and the the coaches wearing the varsity jackets. Yeah. Oh yeah. That yeah. I'm I'm all for that. That rocks. I would have loved to see Pasternak wear his like pit vipers on the ice. Oh, those would be unbelievable. That'd be sick. That would be unbelievable. Guys, we're going to kind of shift sports here because this is an NHL NFL podcast. And before we get to what might consider, might be considered the biggest news headline, but uh, John Madden, RIP at age 85. You know, some people aren't always a fan or in tune with the NFL, but everyone knows EA Sports Madden. He was basically the minds behind that. Famous coach, broadcaster. Man, Ian, I'm going to ask you, since you're more in tune with the NFL, what what do you think about when you hear John Madden? And, like, what did you, what was your thoughts when you saw that he passed? I was obviously sad because he was one of my favorite broadcasters. And he that was, that was actually, the, like, how I first got to know him was not even the video game was just him as a broadcaster, which I know everybody like our age will talk about the video game and you just mentioned it. But I always remembered when John Madden called the game, it was a big deal. It had importance. It had relevancy. It was a meaningful game when John Madden called it. And he always just seemed passionate and he loved what he was doing and he never took himself too seriously. Like I, I kind of see like quite a few, quite a bit of myself in John Madden. Like that's how I like to try and live by in terms of like a really, you know, got a really passionate, fun, just never took himself too seriously. Never took his job too seriously. Like he put in the effort, he worked hard, but an icon. Yeah. Icon. And, and just, 
it sucks that he's gone. Um, you know, the video game, I learned a lot about football from playing the video game. One of the best coaches of all time, every player who played for John Madden seems to love the guy, never had a bad word to say about him as a coach. Um, it's obviously a huge loss and yeah. somebody that probably the next generation of football fans will never really know the impact of uh, and the contributions that he made to the game of football and the NFL. No, for sure. Like just seeing the name Madden. And when I was first getting into it, I was like, Hey, who is like, what is the significance behind the name Madden? And then I kind of looked into it and saw the significance of him and his name and what he brought to the game. And you're right. I learned so much about the game through Madden and hearing him as the broadcaster, even in the game and then seeing it translate, like seeing him actually talk, broadcast an NFL game and just the the words that were said about him. I just, it was massive just seeing that he passed. And I was like, damn, that, that sucks. He brought, he made such a huge lasting impact on the game. And anybody anybody who's played uh, the video game long enough has, you know, done ask Madden and Madden says to punt. And then you just, you know, you know, fake punt pass on like four six, <laughs> and it's just like, thanks, Madden. Really appreciate the help. And it goes incomplete, and it's like, darn, I wonder why that didn't work. And it was because you just disobeyed John Madden. Um, but we, but you know, for myself, like you know, understanding the difference between a cover two, a cover three, and a cover four defense was all through Madden. Understanding, you know, different offensive formations through John Madden in the video game. Um, and again, I go back to broadcasting. Like when, whenever he did a game, it was usually a primetime game, usually with Al Michaels, usually with the biggest stars. Like that's going to be my biggest takeaway from uh, John Madden and his life in the NFL. Yeah, Scotty, did you, do you have any kind of significance with John Madden, even like the game at all? Or Yeah, um, I used to grind Madden 12. Madden 12 is one of the best, greatest video games of all time. Like, probably the worst player on the cover ever, Peyton Hillis, of all the cover athletes. But um, <laughs> no, I just, I, again, John, the loss of John Madden's crazy significant, even as a very casual football fan. I only watched the Super Bowl. But again, like Ian and you, you guys both mentioned, uh, the importance of him and his impact on the game can't be understated enough. And he was such a figure, dare I say, like uh, like a Mount Rushmore of, of like football, like icons, like creators he would be up there hundred percent yeah. he'd be up there. And again, that's, again, that just shows you how little I know about the game, but yet how important he was to football as a whole. And um, he'll surely be missed, but I hope, I hope they keep calling the game Madden in memory of him. So. Yeah. Cause even if you take out, like people might not know him as a coach or broadcaster. And, but as soon as they hear the name Madden, they obviously know what sport that is related to so that just shows you what significance he carries and he brought so much more than just the video game so uh very tough to see the news pop up and uh i think he's just going to be a legend that no one's going to forget that's a fact that's a fact but uh in other news i think even scott like he said he's kind of a bit of a casual with and there's nothing wrong with that at all but i think everyone has seen the clip of Antonio Brown. Now, uh, the Bucks somehow were losing to the Jets. I believe it was 21 to 10. 
at the time. And all of a sudden, you just see Antonio Brown taking off his shoulder pads, his jersey, his undershirt, his gloves, thrown into the crowd and just leaving the field right around halftime. Ian, boys, what's your reaction? What was your reaction to this video? And just because mine, I just I was like, I mean, I knew this guy was crazy, but I was not expecting this. So I went to the Seahawks Lions game uh, on Sunday. Um, and of course, going to an NFL game, like it takes a while to get there. So I didn't actually see this live. It wasn't until like the second half or the, yeah, until like halftime, second half of like the Seahawks game when I'm just checking my phone that I actually pulled it up. And it's like, what the hell happened here? Why, why did this dude do this? And then it's like, oh yeah, this is Antonio Brown. This, this checks out. This is, this is on par for who this guy is and uh, what type of individual he is, how he acts. Um, I mean, again, I, I did see a meme of like, this is the ultimate, just fuck it. I'm out of here. Uh, you know, I'm done. Screw this. Uh, which I mean, it's kind of unbelievable considering Brady is his guy or Brady's been his most vocal supporter and he won a Super Bowl with them last year. Uh, but at the same time, it's Antonio Brown. And he just does whatever he does, and he doesn't really care. So, yeah. The thing that really shocked me, again, like the amount of disrespect that he showed in like in a span of five minutes was unbelievable. Like you don't you don't really do that. Like it's you, very childish. It's like it's definitely very, something you would have done as a kid, and yeah. and. Now you see a dude in the NFL do it. No, it's a, it's a terrible example for the league. It, it's not a good look at all, especially on ten, on Antonio Brown. Um, like again, you, you see, I mean, I just have have this memory of um, uh, who was it? It might have been. I know Kachuk did it at an All Star game. Mark, oh, it was uh, uh, Jake Voracek at one of the All Star games in Columbus. He took his jersey off and he folded it and placed it nicely on like one of the little boxes. And again, not because you're not going to throw your jersey on the ice, right? It's, it's a huge sign of disrespect. So to me, that kind of that relation and how Antonio Brown just takes his jersey off and like shoulder pads and just whips it at the bench. And it's like, man, like, come on, like show some class at least. Like you want to, you want to super with it with this team. You're playing with Brady, like, how do you do that? How do you get to that state? I don't, I just don't get it. Yeah. Cause he's, he's been given chance after chance. And yeah. I mean, there's theories going around that he was hurt and Aaron's didn't let him reenter the game. So Brown went off. Um, there's incentive. There's uh, theories that Brown had incentives and they benched him because they didn't want to pay him his money. There's theories about that. He needed eight more catches to unlock 330 grand. He needed 55 receiving yards to unlock another 330 grand. And he needed just one touchdown to unlock another 330 grand. So he had like a 1.5 mil incentives. And people are saying like the Bucs didn't want to pay him, all that. So but, but did Antonio Brown ever consider how tough Bryce Hall and the Jets defense are? Like that's a tough <laughs> unit to, to try and, you know, break some, you know, bonuses to get to unlock some bonuses. That's a pretty stout unit, right? 
I mean, yeah, they're definitely up there for sure. Salah's turned that defense into a juggernaut. So, top thirty-two defense in the league. Some are saying top thirty-three. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> but yeah, I'm. It was one of the craziest videos I've seen from the NFL, and there's been a lot from this guy alone. Let alone. Just, this, just this whole week in the NFL was just crazy, and it just got topped off with Antonio Brown just piecing and dipping um, in the middle of a game. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. Definitely eye-opening for sure, but we're going we're gonna to shift over to the show, boys. We're going to shift over to the show. The NHL. I mean, after a ton of postponed games, the holiday break, cancellations, all that. Some of the games are finally back on. And uh, selfishly, as I'm as the host, I'm going to start off with the Canucks. The boys are still hot. The boys are still hot. 8-0-1. They lost their first game in seven games, but it was in overtime. So it was a shootout loss. So we have nine straight games with a point. This shows that I think they just lost the room. Like, they tuned out Travis Green. I just don't think they... Yeah, like they just tuned him out, and it's unfortunate because I think Travis Green is a. He's, I still think he's a good coach, but man, what are you guys' thoughts on the Bruce Boudreaux era so far? The command, like they—they're a very different team from when Green was still coaching, and now that uh, Boudreaux's in, and I just I like again Boudreaux used to coach the Ducks, right? So I kind of I know a bit about how his how he plays and. He rides his big guns a lot, and the Canucks have a lot of them, especially when they got Ekman, Larson, and Garland. And I just like how Petey's playing more. I like that Quinn is playing more. Ekman, Larson, like I mentioned, even like Bo. Some of these guys, they you're good players. You pay them lots, make them make their money, right? And mm-hmm. every, again, it's not not just those guys. Like Besser has been a lot better. Um, I just think the they respect. Like it wasn't like they didn't respect Green. It's they respect Boudreaux more because of the tenure and the experience that he, he brings in. And yeah, it's it's good for Canucks fans for sure. I just I just don't think Green was kind of changing enough, and I think they were just sick of his ways. And I think they just kind of like tuned him out. And it's unfortunate, but I think Bruce Boudreaux just brings a new energy to this team and kind of provides something different. Ian. Yeah, I mean, both like Green and Benning going. Uh, I think just shows that something's just run its course. Like something's just run its course in life. And, you know, there's an argument that Benning, you know, was living on house money, like for the last three years being the GM. But I, I do think there comes a time where, you know, at least Travis Green, things just run its course. It's done. It's over. It is what it is. There's no hard feelings. You just got to make a change. And that's what happened with Bruce Boudreaux, who uh, is getting the Canucks into a playoff spot. Maybe it's maybe happening. Well, I mean, the chances have increased by like 40%, if I wasn't mistaken. Last time I looked. And maybe, so, maybe if the Oilers keep slipping, that's where the Canucks can fall into place. Who knows? You know, uh, you know, Ian's on to something, Scott, when his voice slightly pitches up a few tones as he's talking. Oh, yeah. I've, I've, known, <laughs> I've known the guy for 11 years. Yeah. Never, whenever he gets like that, he it's it's usually a good point. Or sometimes it's really stupid. There's no in between. He's no, saying it, something it, without saying it. Yep. It's, 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 I only make good points or bad points, nothing in between. But I guess my point <laughs> with the Canucks is that, like, this team is looking good. 
Um, they feel like they're a contender. I'm not willing to put them into the playoff conversation just yet. Cause I think this is just a bit of a heater. You know, you have that thing in the season where you ride, you know, highs and lows. This might just be a high after a low. Um, we'll see how the next, you know, after the all-star break and the last third of the season goes for this team. But right now they're looking really good. And that's why, again, Scott and I are really disappointed. We didn't get to see them against Ottawa or Anaheim. God, I wouldn't want to watch Ottawa. At least Anaheim. We, we really <laughs> wanted to watch Anaheim. So, yeah. Oh, well. This this upcoming road trip is really going to be the telltale sign of what team they really are. So after the Senators on Saturday, they play Florida, Tampa, Carolina, Washington, Nashville, Florida, St. Louis, Edmonton, Winnipeg. Calgary. So is that that's a 10 game road trip? See, no. I think uh I don't know what games are at home or away, but I believe the Florida swing, Carolina, Washington, Nashville, probably Nashville, and then I think back in Vancouver for Florida. Yeah, okay. so so I think of those so again, the Florida teams, the Capitals, Carolina, Nashville. Wow. If they can win three of those games, that would be success. I was so, going to. So, gonna not even like the road trip, games. just like this 10 game swing can be very tough because, yeah. I mean, Nashville's been playing better. They have one of the best goalies in the league on their team. You see Soros. He's playing out. Oh, he's playing unbelievable this year. And everyone knows Florida is the hottest team in the league. Tampa's no joke either. They got they're an absolute wagon. Carolina's as good as they get. Washington, I mean, Ovi's number one in scoring this year. He's not aging, so it's yeah. still a team I'm gonna give respect and, to no matter and what. Again, those those four those four games, Carolina, Tampa, Florida, Washington, those are the four of the best teams in the Eastern Conference. I think they are yeah. teams. So yeah, it's one of those. Yeah, if the Canucks can pull two or three wins out of that, that'll be a huge success. So I, I think this swing of games. I think even like the month of January is going to really tell what kind of team they are. So, because even after that, they play um, Calgary, the Rangers and the Maple Leafs within five games. And so it's like, it's going to be, it's a tough schedule up ahead for the Canucks. And if they can kind of prove to everyone that like they can at least stay competitive in those games and like go around 500, then like my thing with them is like, it's just fun to watch the team again before it was just dry, stale. It just sucked in every way possible. It was just so boring, but now low and especially on the power play. Yeah. It was just a very stagnant, nothing was happening. Whereas Again, you look at a team like like Edmonton when they were when their their power play was rolling. Like you see, even like they're not standing still; they're all moving, and it's very dynamic and lots of passing east west and opening up the pass lanes. It's just deadly. Whereas the Canucks now they've got a bit of that, and they're going to get more of that as they keep going along and getting better. Hopefully, yeah, I um I totally agree with you there. But uh, speaking of Edmonton, they are leaking oil right now, and if I'm not mistaken. If I'm not mistaken, Scotty called this. Was it you, Scott? Did you say that the Oilers were overrated, or was that someone no, else? I, I said this. You I, said they were I said overrated. the Oilers were going to miss the playoffs this year. Scott called me an idiot, and I am looking like, I'm not going to say a genius, but I'm looking kind of smart here. I mean, Connor McDavid just tested positive for COVID, so that's not going to help their situation either. 
No, but okay. But the reason the Oilers suck is because they don't have a goalie and they don't have good defense. And they're and they do, and their and their bottom six is not working. Like I don't know if you watched their game Monday against the Rangers. That team looked. I, I shouldn't say they looked bad. McDavid had one really good shift at the start of the game, and then on the very next play of of um, Koskinen coughed off the puck, and then it led to a Rangers goal. It's like yeah, yeah. this is what this team is. This is who yeah. they are. Very very high highs. And just everything else is very lows, very low lows, right? It's like, and it doesn't help that they're paying 100% of Duncan Keith's cap. That doesn't help either. No, and who would have thought that a, what, 38-year-old Duncan Keith with his best years behind him wouldn't solve the Oilers' issues on defense? Who could have ever predicted? Crazy. I know. Crazy. And I was saying this a while ago about how the Oilers' cap is taken up by McDavid and dry settle at, at I believe 25.7%. If you can't never mind win a cup, if you can't make the playoffs with those guys taking up only 25% of your cap, you're gone. There's no staying back from that. That is impossible. You are really doing a bad job. If you can't make the playoffs with those guys only taking up 25% of your salary cap, it's, it's, it's idiotic. Yeah, I uh, I totally agree with you there. What do you think the next step for them should be? Well, not to state the obvious, but they need a goalie. Um, whether that's through tr- a trade, trading one of your top six guys to get a, some goalie, I don't know who that might be. Um, that's something the Oilers have to do in the next month before this before they like run out of completely run out of oil. Um, it's, yeah, I, I don't know. It's looking very bleak in Edmonton right now. And like Ian said earlier, I think you guys both said that, but the defense and the goaltending situation is ugly. Yeah. It's not good at all. Uh, here's the thing. I know Jeff and I, you talk, you and I talked about going after flurry Thomas Grice in Detroit, I think could be an option for you. Um, Yaroslav Halak. I was about to say Halak in Vancouver. Vancouver, yeah. Um, toss us like a mid round pick and we'll give you a lack. Sure. I mean, or even, I, even send Koskin in the other way, send him to Vancouver. Sure. sure. I, I'm not opposed to that either, but like, there's gotta be, there's gotta be a better tandem or somebody, just anybody better than Mike Smith and Miko Koskinen. And Stuart Skinner, no offense to Stuart Skinner, like, he's had a decent year when called upon. But you can't go into the postseason with Stuart Skinner as your starter. I'm no, sorry. You, you, you can't. You can't. You just can't. That's unacceptable. Not um, yet. Not yet, at least. Not this you season. Might, you might be you're not doing it this season. No. Agreed. So if you're the Oilers, yeah, probably a goalie. I don't know. The Chikrin, again, the Chikrin deal just makes too much sense. I don't know why you wouldn't do it, but. I think you got to get him in there. He, he's going to provide. A real solid two. And no, again, Nurse is fine. Barry is fine too. But he's going to provide a real solid two-way defending force. And he's, he's just very – he's a big physical guy. And he's not a pronger, but he's good enough to play a role kind of like what pronger could do. I said for years they needed a stay-at-home de- – a, a guy similar to Duncan Keith. I didn't actually mean for them to go and trade for Duncan Keith. <laughs> they need somebody who can stay at home and be a reliable guy on the back end, and I don't know who that is for the Oilers. I guess it's Keith. 
not even CC. It's not even CC or Barry. Evan Bouchard. Darnell Nurse. I I think Nurse is their number one defenseman, and he well, is sure, good. but sure, but he's not the like the stay at home guy who agree protect no, your own zone like like the guy i'm thinking like a um like an aaron ekblad type right i guess that's my go-to now like a, a true bona fide number one defenseman who can who can protect your net like, who, who can be a, a strong force defensively yeah. i don't know who that is on the oilers um i don't know if they want to go and find that guy Somebody mentioned to me about Mark Giordano, like depending on how the Kraken view the rest of the season, Mark Giordano maybe is like an option. Obviously there's some weirdness with, you know, him being a former flame and whatnot, but like, that's a guy who I think could make a lot of sense for the flames if they can, or for the Oilers, if they can find a way to make the money right and make it fit. That'd be the oldest blue line of all time. Probably. Trade for Chara while you're at it too. Sure, Chara, Chara um, trade for like any old out of date. Um, Let's get uh, Mark Edward of Vlasic in there. While we're there out. you go. Vlasic's another Danny guy. Savard. Dennis Savard or he whatever. David Savard. He's on that. David one. Savard. How old is he? Like mid 30s, early 30s, maybe. Oh, I thought he was like 36. There was also the talk but... about, there was also the Sherratt talk, which I don't know if that's happening now. Montreal is also a weird team and what they might do, but like Shane, right? Enough... Just tank for Shane, Shane right? Don't, <laughs> don't make any changes until you hopefully get Shane, right? And then blow it up. But my, I guess my point with the Oilers is there's enough demon out there for you to go make a move if you want to yeah. go find a, a good defense or if Ken Holland's just going to stick with his guns. Great. I hope you missed the playoffs then. Yeah. Like, do you think the Oilers can go after Tuca? Tuca Rask? No, I think it, I think it's just Boston, or he's going to retire. I don't see yeah. why. Why? Why would? Why if you're Tuca, would you go? Or then him? then trade for Olmark if Rask is coming back? Yeah, sure. Tra- again, that's the tra- whole trade. Trade for Jeremy Swayman. Why? Like, why trade for one of those goalies then? Yeah, like, if Rask is coming back, sure. I mean, why not get Drieger out of uh, out of Seattle? There's so many options. It's just a matter of making it work and what teams are willing to give up. Yeah. Yeah. 100%. Totally agree. But um, speaking of that, Tuka Rask is set to come back after hip surgery, if I'm not mistaken. What do you think this can do for Boston? Do you think what changes do you think will be made? Because they just gave five mil a year to Allmark, I believe, for five, five for five, if I wasn't mistaken. That's but, right. What do you think happens with the Bruins and the whole goaltending situation? Do you think they ship one of them out? Or do you think it even happens? Do you think Tuka Rask even comes back? I don't know if Tuka comes back. I One of those guys, because we're going to have taxi squads, one of those guys has to go to the taxi squad, I feel like. And, and I mean... Unless you're gonna make unless you're gonna make a deal that is too good to pass up for any one of those guys, which I don't know if any team is gonna make that offer. Uh, I feel like it's kind of business as usual. The Bruins are kind of hot right now, if I'm not mistaken. Like the Bruins are on a bit of a roll; they're kind of getting back to normal. So they're, they're looking good in this game. They're playing New Jersey right now at home, and yeah, they're looking. They're kind of dominating play a bit. Um, again, that's New Jersey, not to make another New Jersey, no, play, but like, I know, but still the fact is they've, they've had some injury issues and some guys out of the lineup. And like you said, Ian, they're coming back and they're, yeah, I don't know. I think they're, here's the thing. Here, here's the thing. The Bruins aren't making the, um, top three in the Atlantic. 
No, not a chance. So, so, so you're, so you're playing for a wild card spot. And I think your team is good enough as it is because I don't think any other team in the wild card is really worth a playoff spot. No offense to my Red Wings, but I, I just feel like it's you, you kind of just go business as usual, put in Rask where you need to, and see where it goes, see where it takes you. Yeah, I, uh, I agree with you guys there. I agree with you for sure. This was a uh, very big news. Um, so on Seattle's home opener, season ticket holder, uh, I need the name here. What's her name? Nadia Popov- Popovici? Popovici? Uh, Popovici. Popovici. Thank you, Scotty. Um, noticed a suspicious mole on the back of um, Brian Red Hamilton. Brian, quote-unquote, Red. Nicknamed Red. Assistant equipment manager for the Vancouver Canucks. Notices, uh, Nadia noticed a suspicious mole on the back of his neck. Showed him right down on her notes on her phone that it was what was um she's a medical student and it was abnormal mole that turned out to be life-threatening and he went to the doctor got it checked out and got it removed absolutely unbelievable news uh not every day you see these life changing life-saving moments in any sort of sports setting what are your thoughts boys First of all, shout out to Nadia for this. Um, that was that was a huge play, and the fact that um, Hamilton took that advice. Yeah, that's that's, the, that's what it's great to say something, but again, to actually act on it and the way he did and how he did it so quickly and saved his life. Again, it was uh, cancerous melanoma, which when again you got to get to it early, and if you don't get to it early, you're you're well, you're you're heading for cancer, and then. Once, once you get cancer spread throughout your body, it's, it's tough. It's tough sledding. But um, again, they caught it early. He got it removed. He's healthy and doing well with the Canucks. And they had their, I think it was the second, it was the first, the first Canucks home game or game in Seattle since the first game. Yeah. Right. And that's when, and they actually, they actually met, right. I think they met up in. Yeah. They, so the mole was noticed at the home opener and then the first game back is when they met up and the news was um, spread. Like I, at least um, like the results and everything were made aware around the league because Vancouver put out a tweet and they're like, listen, Twitter, say I'll crack in Twitter, whatever. We need your help. We need to find this girl who saved Red Hamilton's life, all that, or potentially did. And it's just an unbelievable story. Unbelievable. He she received a ten thousand dollars scholarship from each of Vancouver and Seattle, so twenty thousand dollars of scholarships altogether. I just like I think what she did is priceless. I don't think you can put a price on potentially saving someone's life. I mean, it was an unbelievable reward to for her, and I don't blame. Like I'm not trying to harp on the scholarship amount at all. I just think what she did. I don't think there's a price you can put on that at all. There's, there's really not. And again, um, as you know, as she was, she's an aspiring medical student, this is going to go a long way to helping her get to her goal. And um, the fact she spoke, she was able to spoke up to speak up and make that impact is so, again, you know, it's, you don't see acts like this very often, but you, you hope to see it more and more. And 
Um, it's it, it, Jevin, you nailed it on the head. It's such a special moment for like the, both teams involved and the league. And just, it's a good story to start 2022. It's, you know, there's no negative, you know, it, there's nothing negative. This is a great story in every way you look at it. So it's no, it's awesome. Yeah. It's Love like we've, that. like we repeated a bunch. Ian, do you have any uh, insight on this? I was going to, the one thing I wanted to mention about this was it was it felt like one of the few good, you know, uses of social media uh, uh you know instead of you know people arguing and yelling at each other over social media we actually use social media for a good cause to you know find and recognize the person who did a good deed and reward that person uh which i thought was really cool that you know that may that's what it's all about right it's coming together working together helping each other out no matter which side we're on whether you're a kraken fan canucks fan whatever we're all one just big giant hockey family in a way. And it's a good thing that we're able to help one another support, support each other where we can. Amen. Yep. Amen. But boys, this was a great episode and uh, we're going to keep it a little uh, short this week. You know, get my, uh, get my feet wet once again, but a new uh, weekly episode tradition is on this day in sports history so on this day january 4th is what is uh the day we are recording so i'm going to spit out three facts that uh happened on this day in sports history it can range from all sorts of sports it uh it's wide open in terms of that but i'll be honest i didn't find three in preparation for the show because i completely forgot about it until we are halfway through so forgive me as, uh, as I try to find three. But 1984, the Edmonton Oilers beat Minnesota. I believe this is the North Stars at the time. 12-8. It's the highest scoring modern NHL game to this point. 12-8. Can you imagine going to a game and being like... I don't know. Like this could be a this could be a gross game. I don't know what to expect, and just like twenty goals are put on the board. Imagine, imagine betting on that game. It's like, yeah, I'll take the under. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. I'll take the under on that, and then twenty goals later, it's like, well, that didn't hit. But again, the under the un, or it'd probably be like plus minus like in that time in the mid eighties, it'd be like nine point five would be like your your betting average, right? So. Like again, it's it's hard to say. You're like, you're you're you're, bas- you're basically just like yeah. I think the Oilers can score nine goals, but can the North Stars keep up? I don't know. Uh, <laughs> like nowadays, the nine point five, you'd always bet under because who's gonna score seven goals in the game? Like you, you never see it anymore. But back then, yeah. like, seven goals pretty easy, right? So red lining in, that's it's like a fifty percent chance of going in. <laughs> that's right that's right dump and pump boys shoot it down oh wait it's it it's in the net it's in uh we scored but uh <laughs> second fact on 2000 yep. a day after accepting the head coaching position at for the new york jets bill belichick resigns and moves to the new england patriots wow i'd say it's worked out for him <laughs> he's done okay yeah he's done all right you know that he hasn't even eclipsed 100 losses as a Patriots coach yet. He's been there that's for 22 insane. years. That's insane. That yeah. that that's that's a really good stat. That's he hasn't, a really good stat. He's like 294 and like 75. 
That's pretty good. <laughs> I, I texted it to my dad. I'm going to look up the exact stat. And I didn't. This was like a few games. I think they've lost like a couple games since then. But he, he's not, he hasn't hit 100 recently, though. Is he hasn't hit 80 yet. He yeah. hasn't hit 80. That's, yes. Which is laugh out loud funny. How unbelievable that is. And he got hired in 2000. And he hasn't hit 100 losses. That's 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 insane. That's that that is actually insane. It's like the it's similar to the Larry Fitzgerald stat where he had more tackles than dropped passes at one point in his yes. career. It still might be that, but I think he's eclipsed slightly more drop passes, but I could be completely wrong. But it's way a, closer, it's way closer than it should ever be for yeah. an NFL receiver. Yeah, it shouldn't even be like a conversation. Yes. But I think in his last few years he dropped like a few, but it's even to have it close is diabolical. It's what are we doing here? What are we doing here? But uh, a year later, after Bill Belichick got hired by the New England Patriots, Washington Wizards forward Michael Jordan becomes the fourth player in NBA history to score 30,000 career points. And an 89 to 83 win. Against the Chicago Bulls. Huh, interesting. On January 4th. On January 4th. That's funny. He you know scores... what's funny? I was gonna say what's funny about like MJ is just how much he was still playing in his yeah. latter years, yeah. even with the Wizards. Like he's still putting up 30 minutes a game with the Wizards. I know. It's it's ridiculous. Like, what are we doing here? It, what it, are we doing here? It, it's I don't want to say it blows LeBron out of the water, but like putting in as many minutes as he did. And I know he had that. I know he had his time off in the NBA, but like still putting up, like playing 30 minutes with the wizards of all teams. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know though. Like the fact that LeBron's putting up 43, 12 and seven as a 37 year old man, like that's kind of a joke, but he's still having to carry Russell Westbrook's ass. Okay, that's to my point. There you go. It just shows you how these are two of the great NBA greats of all time. We can't make that have that debate. That's a different podcast. But um, yeah, it's it's that's amazing. It's funny. It's funny that MJ did it against his his old former team, the Bulls. That I didn't even know that halfway through reading that. I just saw that he became he scored thirty thousand points on this day, or his thirty thirty thousandth career point on this day and i was like oh, that's cool to read off and then i realized oh shit it's it was against the bulls his uh former team well and you know like before the game michael jordan is like oh bull. like he's got that game circled on the calendar he's like oh bulls let's go let's, yeah. let's rip these guys a new one his uh it was scored as a he scored two free throws to clip thirty thousand. so cool yeah just a uh, just some little uh, sports facts in the episode for you boys. Hey, the more you know, right? The more you know. You're, you're never gonna be, you know, worse off with just a little bit more knowledge. Exactly, and uh, Ian, I believe we did this when I was on your show last, but I'm gonna do it right now. Before we head off, what is one team that is kind of being overlooked? that you think people should watch out for the rest of the NHL season? Uh, I've said it on your podcast before. I'll say it again. 
I'm drinking the uh, well, the the Kings Kool Aid. Like I think the Kings are are maybe starting to put it together now. Uh, I'm again, I'm not, I'm not saying they're a contender. I, no, no. Um, Scott doesn't like when I talk Shit, kindly about the. Scott doesn't like when I talk kindly. Fine, I'll talk about another team after. But the Kings, like I think, can really if they can start putting it together. They're kind of like the Canucks where I feel like they had a bit of some slow starts and some mixed reactions. Now they're, you know, starting to put two and two together. Uh, I'm going st- to, I'm going to talk about another team because I'm going to take way too much time to end this. Uh, the blues. I have, I've really been high on the blues this year. I've talked highly about the blues, but even before the winter classic, that's a team that I think could really make a playoff run. Uh, I like Jordan Bennington as a heel. He's like a, a prototypical heel wrestler. I uh, didn't wear a toque at the winter classic, which caused uh, some ire of many. I think, I know. I think, no, I think that's funny. I think that's funny that he's like, like just pissing people off. I think that is funny and intentionally doing it. Uh, but probably the blues and the Kings are like two teams that I'm like really drinking the Kool-Aid on that. I really like watching. Okay. Scotty. Carolina hurricanes, hundred um, percent. This team for whatever reason always gets slept on. Um, yeah. Are they though? Are they getting? I think they are. Because everyone's people talking about Tampa and Florida. They're like, oh, Ta- it's gonna be Tampa, Florida. You know, they're gonna run the show in the East. I'm like, well, not so fast. Let's think. Let's think about the facts here. Frederick I, I having one of the best years of his life since he was on, like, since he was on Anaheim. Um, like, even with the loss of Hamilton, Slavin stepped up a lot. Pesci's looked real good. Bear is better than he was in Edmonton, 100% better. And the Ford group's gotten a year older with more experience. Man, Svechnikov and Aho, these two guys, oh, unbelievable talent these two guys are. I feel like Carolina gets more attention than Florida. Mm, I think Flor- now, last year I would agree. With, I would I would have said Florida, but um, now I think Florida's getting lots of attention. So yeah, okay. I agree. Fair enough. Hmm. I want to say Anaheim, but they're a little overrated. No, you don't have to say Anaheim. You don't have to say Anaheim. And you, you definitely don't have to say Detroit either. You, you, ah. you, you can pick another team outside of those teams. We talk about Anaheim and Detroit way too much. So, <laughs> for 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 be, for being like a, a mostly hockey podcast, nobody talks about the Anaheim Ducks and the Detroit Red Wings uh, as much as we do. So, if you're a Ducks fan or a Red Wings fan listening to this podcast, uh, be sure to check out the Speak Your Peace podcast if you want more Ducks and Red Wings, co- you know, conversations. Uh, my team's Pittsburgh. I like that actually. I think that's a really good pick. That's a, that's a good pick. I mean, Crosby and Malkins. Is he gonna? Come, he has to come back soon. I uh, don't know. I think he's back mid February. Yeah. So, I mean, they just went off for six against whoever. I forget who it was exactly. A few days ago, they had like they rallied off six in a period. I think it was against. I mean, oh gosh. This is bad podcasting right here. I need to check. But the real question with Pitt, the real question with Pittsburgh is when did Evan Rodriguez become the best player in the NHL? Seriously, um, yeah, literally, it was against San Jose. San Jose that's on the there. second, yeah, yeah. But um, yeah, Pittsburgh. I mean, Crosby's starting to heat up. The postpones didn't disrupt his points free. Brian Rust is just feeding off of Crosby right now. Jack Gensel's hitting his stride. Malkin's going to come back and just electrify that team. Tristan Jari is playing out of his ass right now and um, we'll say when, um when Crosby and Malcolm were both out early in the season 
Rodriguez stepped up a lot and he played a big role and it's paying dividends now because he's going to be the third line center when Malkin's back and oh, look out. That's a deep team. Yeah. Down the middle. So I, uh, I, I feel like Pittsburgh also is just like a collection of players from uh, that you just make up and chow. Like some of these names aren't real. Like Teddy Bluger, that's not a real name. Uh, <laughs> Zach Aston Reese, that's fake. That's a fake name. You know, Mac, Michael Matheson, no, that somebody made that one up. They, these are not real players on the Penguins. Too, yeah, but uh, yeah, they're sitting, they're fourth in the Metro right now with forty-one points, nine points ahead of the Flyers, six points back of Carolina. Wow. So. I mean, a tough hey, match I will say if Pittsburgh gets hot, man, watch out, watch out right now. They're sitting in a wild card spot because they're seventh in the East right now. So it's going to be interesting to see how uh, all those teams turn out. But what's a one more thing? What's a player that's been overlooked this year? Because mm. I got an answer because I was thinking about trading for him in fantasy, but I kind of. <laughs> Shot away from it. Yeah. Mm. That's a tough question. Oh, that is really tough. Um, Chandler Stevenson. Ooh. For that's Vegas. A, that's yeah. a good one. Yeah, that's a good pick. He has already like 14. He has like 40 points right now. Yeah. And I just feel like not enough people are talking about him. And he's been producing even when Stone and Patch Ready are hurt. So that's a good pick. That, that, that is, I think he's yeah. been the most underrated player in the league this year. Just, oh, because again, of the injuries too. Carlson and Eichel obviously are both out. And yeah. He's had to play a lot because of it. And he, no, he has, he has looked very good though. He's 10 yeah. goals, 24 assists, uh, nine plus minus, and six power play points. Wow. Yeah. Bad. And just but, think about it. Jack Eichel hasn't even played a game for Vegas yet. They're a wagon. Yeah, that team's going to go on a run here. Do you think uh, Pacioretty, I uh, talked about this with my boss at Leo's, do you think Vegas is pulling a Tampa, putting Pacioretty on LTIR? No, I think there's actually actually some legitimacy. But, I mean, the problem is that everybody's going to have that debate now, right, because of... I mean, it worked for Tampa. They won the cup. That's just it. Like, it it worked out. So now everybody's just going to assume that... Oh, this guy's got a hang now, so he's going on LTIR. Like that's just what we're all just gonna assume, right? Yeah. Before before you guys give your answers, I want to say that I 100% respect Tampa for doing that. I'm not mad at them at all because they were the ones last CBA that said that this shouldn't be a rule anymore, and every single owner and represent and representative said like, no, let's keep it in that you can uh, go over the cap. Like cap doesn't matter in playoffs. Like you can do whatever. And Tampa tried to stop that. Everyone said no, and Tampa was like, okay, whatever. And then years later, they do that, and now everyone's mad at Tampa. And it's like, hey, bro, we tried to put an end to this like five years ago, but you guys said nah. So kick rocks, and they won the cup. So Listen, listen we, we, I can talk for hours about how messed up the NHL is and how their salary cap and CBA is just complete garbage. Um, I... I screw it if you if that's within the rules if that's what you can do do it who cares i don't care that's what it takes to win that's what it takes to win go for it what do i care yeah (laughs) 
my uh, you you asked about players. My under, most underrated player this year, Jordan Cairo from St. Louis. Cairo's having an electric season. Electric season. He's he tore. I, I just remember because I got from Winter Classic. I was like, hey, I should go look at some highlight clips from this guy. He actually lit it up in the OHL. Yeah, yeah, he was so good. Him with uh, Sam Steele in the World 2018 World Juniors. Oh, like unbelievable. He's sneaky. One of the fastest skaters in the league. Yes. And he's very shifty. He's yeah. like a is a lesser Barzell that has a better shot. I like mean, some people might even put him on the level of Barzell with the way yeah. Barzell's been playing this year. Fair, fair enough. I think Barzell's still a better player, but um, no, Kairou has been like very good, and I think he's been a big part of why uh, Ian. You talk about St. Louis as an underrated team. He's been underrated player on said underrated team. So I like Jordan Kairou as my underrated player of the year. That's a good pick. Uh, my pick is Nazem Kadri. Uh, yeah, that's a good one too. That dude. Good picks, boys. Good picks. That dude almost has 40 points and nobody's talked about it. I know with Kadri, there's the disclaimer of like, well, this dude gets suspended in the playoffs. And yeah. sure, that's fair. He does, but he's a good player. He, do, he does. He's got 40 points. He's looking really good with the Avalanche this year. I don't know if we're heading for another Vegas avalanche western conference finals but uh if you pick nazim kadri in your fantasy team this year congratulations you're smarter than me uh because that dude is a literally a top five point scorer this season like he's tied it for like top five this year which is insane to think about all those players are having unbelievable seasons and i think they're gonna be if they keep producing like this they're gonna be definitely put more on notice for sure because i think the narrative with Kadri is that everyone knew that he was a really good player. He's just an idiot. Yeah. And I mean, so, like, but I think the other thing with Kadri is like, we knew in, like they tried to make him the number one center in Toronto when the team stunk. And we knew he wasn't a number one center. Like we knew that that just wasn't his role. That's not what that, that wasn't his greatest strength was being a number one center. He was a better number two center who, you know, who could get some special teams time, who wasn't the face of the franchise. That's what Kadri was. And, Again, there's an argument to be made that things had kind of run its course with Kadri in Toronto at the time, and I was kind of one of those people that's like, yeah, I don't know. And so far in Colorado, he's just been the perfect fit. Like, yeah. just fits in Literally wonderfully perfect, yeah. on their second line, and it makes a ton of sense. Yeah, because so much of the weight is off his shoulders. It's like, it's Kale McCarr, McKinnon, Rantanen, Landeskog, and then maybe Kadri. And just like having that, and you just like kind of we- sneak around and just yeah. it's produce. Like the, it's, 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 it's like the Phil Kessel thing too, where like Phil Kessel was not meant to be the face of the franchise, was not meant to be the number one guy in Toronto, goes to Pittsburgh, obviously plays with Malkin, and then has you know more time on the second line. Dude works out well. He wasn't. He, he's not even that awful in Arizona. Like all things considered, he's not even that awful in Arizona. And I mean – I don't know if there's a face of the franchise for what the Coyotes are this year, but like, that's the same thing that I, I see in Kadri is like dudes just on another team, not in a Toronto market. He can be the second line center and he could just crush it. So yeah. love to see it. Yeah. Boys, this is a fun episode. Um, plug where the people can find you and listen to your stuff. So you can find us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, wherever you get your podcasts, you can find us. Uh, Speak Your Peace Podcast, you just search it up, we're top search. Uh, You can watch our videos on YouTube. We have a YouTube channel. Uh, All of the links are in our podcast, so like our Instagram, 
our Twitter, all that stuff is on the Spotify or the Apple podcast. Uh, you can follow us on Instagram at speak your peace. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter, speak your peace three. Uh, check us out. We're I'm running a little bit behind. I'm a little bit lazy because I've been caught up in stuff, but we do have at least one episode coming out this week. So be on the lookout for that. Uh, and then you can see any of the other stuff I do on speakyourpeace.ca, like articles. You can check out some of our videos on the YouTube channel. We do a lot of stuff. I don't know if it's good, but I think it is. Uh, but we do a lot of stuff. Scotty? Ian nailed it on the head. Um, watch for Saturday selections every Saturday. I, um, I post that, and it's the greatest game show on Saturday mornings. So go check it out. Um, Some are saying it's the greatest game on the internet right now, Saturday. So I, think so. I think so. I yeah. think so. I think so. That's just, that's just what I'm hearing the people say. Yep. It's, uh, yeah, looking forward to this week. Got some, I always uh, post a, a, like a new current song on the uh, intro and it might, it's going to be a weekend song from their new, his new album coming out on Friday. So very much looking forward to that. And it'll be a great uh, round of selections this week. Some bowl games possibly. Uh, there's no bowl games this weekend. There's no bowl games this weekend. Never mind. So it's not going to be bowl <laughs> games. Nope. That's what you're telling me. <laughs> um, I don't think there'll be some good games regardless. Don't yeah. listen. We only do the best games at Speak Your Peace for Saturday selections and uh, best fights. We only do the best, only good stuff. Because you guys are the best. Can't argue with logic, <laughs> right? <laughs> um, you guys know where to follow me as always on Instagram at Jevin.lefave on Twitter at Jevin Find everything for the show on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok at left side heavy underscore. Subscribe to the YouTube channel left side heavy ring the bell so that you get all the notifications when i upload yeah i took a break from the last episode uploaded uh basically the week of christmas till now and i honestly didn't post either to be honest because i was lazy and i was enjoying my time off i was relaxing should i have posted probably but i didn't so hey, honestly, and you know, yeah. we're just happy to be your first yeah. guest for 2022. And I couldn't have found better ones, maybe, but I haven't thought about that yet. <laughs> <laughs> we're the best guest you've had this year, right? Yes. There you, go. you guys are number one for 2022 right now, right for on. sure. Well, for sure. We love coming on. Thanks as always, Devin. It's always great. Thanks, to be on the this was a great episode, boys, as always, and. Anytime you want to come back on, just let me know and you can book your ticket. So, folks, thank you for listening. Once again, we are back in the swing of things. It is going to be a fun 2022. Thank you for your patience. And we will see you guys next week. Peace.